What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. This message must be read in every newspaper, heard on every radio, seen on every television. This message must resound throughout the entire interlink. I want this country to realize that we stand on the edge of oblivion. I want every man, woman and child to understand how close we are to chaos. I want everyone to remember why they need us. <laughs> the fuck is with this guy? Who is he? I'm your huckleberry. The decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. Everybody knows you never go full retard. You went full retard, man. There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. If fool me, we can't get fooled again. So you smart, huh? No. I thought your hair would be bigger. It says on your chart that you're fucked up. Uh, you talk like a fag, and your shit's all retarded. So, just chill out. You know, drink a 7-Up, eat a moon pie, quit murdering people. You have smoked yourself retarded. It's a big club. And you ain't in it. I got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down, so it was straight. And then watch the hair come back up again. What is your major malfunction, num nuts? And welcome to the Monday Night Master Debaters. We survived another weekend. Back to the grind. But with all the chaos going on out there, we got wildfires, we got hurricanes, we got all sorts of stuff going on. We're going to stay away from that stuff tonight and we're going to we're going to get into a a unique topic for this show which is cryptids. Not something that I am well-versed in whatsoever. Honestly, I've never done any research into cryptids, but I find it fascinating. You know, we have, uh, they vary from region to region. There's folklores, myths, all sorts of stuff. So we have tonight, I am uh, thankful to be joined by Mr. Tim Moon, the author of Tomato Fields, which... It's not about tomato fields, guys. It's not an electroculture episode. His book is about cryptids. So, uh, Tim, welcome. Uh, thank you. Happy to be here. So you have tomato fields. Give us a little overview of of the book. And, you know, you don't have to go too deep right now. Just kind of high level. What are we looking at? Uh, I. Um, it's a novel. It's a fiction fictional novel uh, on kind of inspired by an encounter that my brother had. Um, it's set, set in the 1970s uh, in rural Mason County, Washington, just above the Hood Canal Hook. And it is a story of a 
creature that suddenly shows up and starts haunting the community and and killing animals and scaring people and and uh, the, the, the uh, some of the town folks uh, efforts to try to resolve the issue and get get rid of it so uh, and then how that leads all of them to go to places they never dreamed that they would have to go and uh, think of things they never thought they'd have to think of and it really challenges each of them in their own little way of, of how they think and act um, and uh, and then it's resolved and in a way that doesn't really leave much closure. <laughs> so, uh, and possibility of a, a sequel. But the idea is, is to use fiction to draw people into the mystery of these animals. Um, and uh, maybe make them, um, their reality maybe a little bit more real to people through telling good stories and developing characters that are interesting and intriguing. So I maybe having an emotional impact instead of trying to deal with it on a rational level, because I felt like the rational efforts to win people to thought be believing in this um, have limited success. I heard a guy say once that um, facts tell, but stories sell. And and I think that people, maybe good stories that are interesting and intriguing might draw people into uh, looking at seriously at this in a way that maybe a, a fact wouldn't. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant, too, because you're absolutely right. It's such a divisive topic when you get into it, right? I mean, there's people that are all in and there's people that think you should be in an insane asylum. You know, you have you you have this and then there are some people in the middle who, you know, they could go either way. But when you bring it up as fiction. Yeah. Now it's you're, you're telling a story, like you said, and you're not pre you're not presenting it as fact. You're not shoving it down their throat. You're saying, hey, listen to the story. And if you <laughs> if you like what you hear in the story, maybe it might open a little bit of interest in you and well, i think that's just, a great idea it just opens doors and and the, what, what affected me when i was a kid i watched the movie the legend of boggy creek i don't know if you've ever heard of that um it's kind of a cult film now and but it was done in the 70s and it it was done on very low budget and it turned into a huge success but it was really it really captured my imagination and i I felt from then on that there was something to this thing. It was, it was, there was something real about it. And I just, um, uh, ever since had an interest in it. And I, I researched it. I listened. I taught, I asked a lot of questions of people to find out, uh, who, who, uh, if anybody had experiences, I was always curious about that. And then, in the last 20 years or so, I've done a lot of research. I just really started studying it like a historian would, because I am a historian. So I started looking at these reports as oral history reports and and the, the primary documentation. It's just massive. And it's from all over the world, from 
different cultures, languages, nations, religions, uh, big town, you know, small rural areas all over um, uh, that that have very similar stories in different continents, separated by oceans in Australia. I mean, unbelievable, but they're having very similar experiences. Um, and it's hard to get anybody, even in the same culture, in the same religion, in the same country, to agree on anything. But to have them from all different backgrounds coming to uh, the same types of experiences with these things, for me, that was too much smoke for there not to be fire. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I don't, know, I don't know what the fire is completely. I can only guess. But I know that it's there. I just, I just can't ignore it i just as a historian i can't ignore the the vast evidence that exists or documentation that exists so that's kind of but then i even then i think that stories might play a more compelling um compelling um uh draw to people than than just giving a bunch of factual evidence so yeah Absolutely. Well, when I, I mentioned, once you mentioned cryptids, the first person I thought about was Ron. Uh, this is my buddy Ron from New England, and he hosts the Wicked Planet podcast, and him and his co-hosts are always talking about the Sam Squatch. Okay. I Ron, what's it. going on? Good. Can you hear me okay, Matt? Yeah, I All can right, hear awesome. you. Yeah, you know, uh, when uh, Mr. Moon was talking earlier, like I'm, I'm all in on Bigfoot, like 100%. Buckley, not so much, but you know, I think, I think he's coming around a little bit. I agree that there's just so much smoke. Like Tim says, where there's smoke, there's fire. When you go back, I mean, for literally, you, I, I have read accounts and stories that are over a hundred, 200 years old. Oh from, Yeah from Native Americans, from uh, Canadian trappers uh, up there. You know, they got the Bigfoot. They also have the Rougarou, which we're not sure could be Bigfoot. But uh, but no, I'm 100% in on Bigfoot for sure. And I'm really interested to see what we have here tonight. Did, you know, do, you, do you guys know that Daniel Boone killed supposedly killed a Bigfoot? I never heard that story. He did, and it wasn't. He actually killed one, and wrote about it. It's you can. It's pretty easy to find. And Davy Crockett, not kidding, he wrote his brother and said he was going through the the. Um, it's now the Davy Crockett National Forest in Texas, but it's it it it's East Texas, so it's it's a national park. Most people know it as uh, the Sam Houston National Forest. But uh, he was going through that on his way to the Alamo. <laughs> and and he said, he swears that a, a Bigfoot-like animal telepathically spoke to him and told him not to go. Wow. He would, he'd be better off not going. And, and then he wrote that. It was big enough that he wrote it. And if you just look up Davy Crockett Bigfoot on Google, it comes right up. And he wrote it to his brother, and that's why we know he wrote it to the brother that this thing talked to him. And um, that area, and it, it, the Sam Houston and Davy Crockett and the Big Thicket, it's just tons of stories come out of there. 
mm. from from encounters with the animal. Yeah, eastern Texas and eastern Oklahoma yep. is a huge hotbed for Sasquatch activity. Right. That's and, where and, the and, legend. And if Davy Crockett wrote that, you know, you're talking over well over a hundred years ago, a hundred well, plus years ago. Yeah. I mean, yep. I mean, I think that lends a little credibility to some of these stories. And not to mention, uh, Tim, what do you know about? Uh, wasn't there a Sasquatch encounter or a battle with Sasquatch during the Lewis and Clark expedition? That one I have not heard. Yeah, but I, I, I would like to know more about that. I've, I've honestly never heard that. I'm from Washington originally, so that was I've, that I've was one of the rumors that I had heard too. Ron was that some of the speculation about the missing papers from Meriwether Lewis's journal were either giants or Sasquatch or you know cryptids of some uh, form. Yeah, uh, and I do remember, Matt, them talking about, I, I remember reading somewhere where there was speculation that they did deal with giants, which I, you know, could be giants. You know, they talk about redheaded giants, and of course, most of your Sasquatch that we hear about are, you know, typically redheads. You know, so, so I mean, that kind of lends a little bit into it, too. I'm going to look into that a little well, bit more. Here you go, Ron. Well, while you're doing that, did you know, yeah, there's the Lewis, oh, you found it, okay. I got to look that up now. So, yeah, I will be interesting. So, there is an article out there that says they did encounter one or some. Uh, yeah. Well, there, there is um, speculation that Leif Erickson encountered them when he was in Canada, what before, long before it was Canada, when he was um, exploring. North America. He's the founder. He's the one who discovered North America, supposedly. And they ran him out. He he was scared off by large animals that the spears didn't defend themselves against. And he was a Viking. So it's there's been tons of things, tons of stories. What's cool to here. me about this, all this stuff is all the different areas right like you got like uh these different areas calling these things different names the almas yep. i guess i'm looking this up right now uh almas is through like asia and the caucasus okay. mountains right um the the chuchia which is in russia uh skunk ape one of my personal favorites uh Florida. the honey island swamp monster i never heard of either that's kind of cool now that that where is that that's in uh the the honey island swamp monster yeah is that texas It'd be Louisiana, it says here. Yeah, that's right. Okay, it's got a couple that's... different names, but yeah, man, the Yeren in China. I mean, the, there's different places. Obviously, the Yeti is one that a lot of people know, but you there's know, the Yowie, that... the Yowie in Australia. Yeah, that's one that's listed here too. Well, yeah, right. Check this out. I found, uh, I found this. Uh, oops, oops, sorry, wrong one. Share find the Alma. The Alma is. Uh, it's common name in Russia, Ryan, like you say, uh, the Caucasus Mountains, you know, that's lower, lower Russia, near yeah, uh, like uh, Kazakhstan and places like that. Yeah. Here yeah. on this site, I mean, I'm just on Wikiwand. It's probably not the most reliable when it comes to this stuff. It's got a ton of different names. The Alma does. And it says Asia slash Caucasus. And then for Russia specifically, it says the Chuchunya. 
um, which I butchered the first time I said it. But yeah, you're right, Ron. It's like that's all the same area because Russia is technically kind of like Eurasia, right? Russia is enormous. It's the largest country in the world. Right. Typical. So yeah, it's just a massive. So and they have a long history and tradition with these animals. Yeah, I don't doubt it. So what is this we're looking at here? Well, this that is Putin. Putin. Did you hear the story about Putin? Oh, nice. Which one? There's several. That where he saw the Bigfoot from his helicopter. I haven't he heard that. Actually. He, saw, he saw the it walking, and I think if I remember right, there was two of them, and he saw them, and he had the helicopter land, and they got out and they followed the tracks. Interesting. And so, uh, and I can't remember. He at some point he was very seriously looking and searching for information about the animals. So, so, um, it's just fascinating. And president Roosevelt wrote a story. He was the first Western documenter of, uh, as a president of something like this, it was a story that he heard from someone else, but it was about a Bigfoot that killed a hiker that killed a trapper. Interesting. So, and that's easily findable on Google searches too. What I this is really cool to me. Oh, I'm sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Ron. I was just going to say Matt, Matt's had this up for a minute. This is a really interesting thing to me because obviously, you know, I, for people that know, I live in Tucson, so I'm in Arizona. A lot. Of, I mean, the Chupacabra is a local favorite, right? I mean, that's the yeah. fun one, the goat sucker. Well, what I was going to say is you have your own version of Bigfoot here, the Mo- uh, Mogolin monster. Mogollon monster. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. So, but anybody that's interested, this girl, woman, Monica Comics on uh, Instagram, she does it for different states. So oh, that's cool. It's kind of cool. I fa- I didn't find anything for New Hampshire, Ron, unfortunately, but they they had met you know a, a whole bunch she's done probably about 15 states so far so it's kind of cool just to see go back to uh the main one matt if you can how do you spell her last name it's it's monica c o m i c s like comic books okay assy it's like a little nessie my uh my daughter lives in tucson oh really yeah her her husband's in the uh, air force Okay. She didn't go to school here, did she? I might know if she went to. No, she, uh, yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she went to vet school for a little bit there, but she's, she's done that more than one place. So that's a small world, right? <laughs> Any of these piquing your interest, Ron? Uh, well, yeah. Well, Cassie, I've heard of that. And, and Cassie, along with the uh, Casco Bay Merman, which I have never heard of that, but, but Cassie is supposedly supposed to be out in Casco Bay which is right off of Portland, uh, Portland and Maine. Uh, Bigfoot, like if you listen to any uh, Sasquatch Chronicles, tons and tons of encounters in Maine, more so up in the interior where the people are illegally growing pot up there. Uh, Of course, that's changed now because that's legal up there now. But uh, a lot of encounters there, and I agree, where there's smoke, there's fire. Now, if you hit the Spectre Moose one, that's kind of interesting. I think that those uh, are ghost moose because like, it sounds like the kangaroos, like the phantom kangaroos, where there's kangaroos yeah. in every country, but no one really sees them because they hide. And then, like, you know, people just kind of see them sporadically. I would say off appearance alone, this Lunkasus is awesome, dude. I like that one a lot just off of the appearance. It's like a wild boar type. Yeah. Um, like a dragon Matt, boar. Matt, go back to Massachusetts. 
I did yeah, have a fine. comment on one there. The I'm, China... surprised, I'm surprised she doesn't have one for New Hampshire. Okay, so you got the Hockamock Swamp Beasties, right? And then you got the Puck Wedgies. So the Puck Wedgies in Hockamock Swamp, the Puck Wedgies are in Hockamock Swamp. Yeah. Which is which is the part of the Braintree Triangle, uh, Braintree Triangle, Bridgewater Triangle. Bridgewater, yep. Yeah, which happens to encompass the town of uh, Braintree. But uh, but oh, yeah, cool. this is kind of interesting. Gloucester so, Sea Serpent. What's a silver okay, lake? The, you heard of that, Ron? That no, I haven't. I haven't, but I have heard of the Dover Demon. I actually did a little bit about that uh, when I went on Kill the Mockingbirds. We did a cryptid show. The Dover Demon is kind of interesting because it's it's almost like it's a hairless creature. Hmm. Huh. But the puck wedgies, that's as a lot of puck wedgie lore goes way back, like way back to the uh, Native American, the it tawny sounds, mystery. Yeah, it sounds Native American. So that's almost like an elf, too. Yeah, they're really small, Ryan. They're, small, they're like, yeah. uh, they're like probably two feet tall, maybe three feet tall at the most. And they talk to you, they want to lure you into the swamp that's they're very mischievous they're like come to your house and mess with your gnomes and your garden and stuff like that and yep. what they do is they try to talk to you to try to put you in a trance to get you to to lure you into the swamp it's really cool it's a really cool story and i've heard There's they like irish kids voices too right ron like laughs and, and yes. screams and giggles yeah. and stuff like yep. that and infants crying yeah that's another one they like to do Yep. There's an Irish version of that, and that sounds a lot like that La Llorona thing, too, right? Like that. Th so that's another thing. So every single one of these different creatures, there's different names for them in different cultures, it seems like, which is kind of yes. cool. And here's an interesting one I found, too, just on overall North American cryptids. And uh, there's just so many. Uh, dude, the Skinwalker's creepy, man. Yeah. That's got to be the worst one. It, I was going to ask, Ryan. actually. Yeah. You think I that agree. is the worst? I agree, Ryan. Yeah. Like the skinwalkers right up there with Wendigo. You know what I mean? Wendigos are scary. And I hear that dog man is like a real evil one too. But dude, oh, just for some yeah. reason, I mean, because the idea of a skinwalker, it's supposedly a witch, a witch's ghost, almost like a banshee, right? But it's like a Native American one specifically. But dude, I was going to ask you guys, what's your favorite, like your favorite cryptid, whether like if you could be one, what would it be? <laughs> I would probably say Dogman because even even has how legend goes, even Sasquatch steers clear of a Dogman. And there's a lot of theories that they they kind of work in unison. Uh, I just anytime you hear of a Dogman encounter, it's always pretty vicious. Versus where a Sasquatch will get vicious if it's provoked, right? But but most of the time they just they don't want anything to do with you either. They just right. don't want you coming into their. They don't want you coming into their area, where a dog man is like is like uh, if you could think of maybe like wolf mentality, where anything in any area is their area, wherever they are is their area. It's like a polar you know, bear. Like it'll go out of its way to hunt a person down almost. Yeah, yeah. You know, man, I, I gotta have, show. I gotta show you guys I, this video. Sorry, Ron. I, this video when we're done. Of uh, it, I, I talked about it in the video game episode, but the the Grand Theft Auto or no, I'm sorry, it's the Red Dead Redemption Bigfoot scene 
where they do that because the whole time Rockstar Games was like denying that they let a Bigfoot run around in the San Andreas game, but people kept seeing it and people kept trying to screenshot it, but it would be blurry. Like in real life, it would be a blurry thing. And they kept saying, no, no one's made it. There's no mods that are allowed to, you know, do anything like this. And then Rockstar ends up who made Grand Theft Auto ends up releasing Red Dead Redemption years later. And there's a Bigfoot in there. And if you choose to kill the Bigfoot after it gives you the sob story, basically how it's a peaceful creature, because the the cowboy sitting there saying, like, you kill all of our kids and you, 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 you know, ruin our land and all this stuff. And the Bigfoot's telling you, like, no, we just forage for mushrooms and we like mind our own business. It's you guys that come after us. And if you choose to kill it after hearing the sad story, you get this thing that says seven years in the making. And there's a seven year difference between when Red Dead was released and when san andreas was released so it's like a cool kind of like easter egg thing that they do but the video is crazy man like how it talks about it well i have my thoughts on killing bigfoot uh i i think i think it's a no-go i i think you know unless of course you're in some type of mortal fight with a bigfoot well then it's game on but uh i view like these people that say they want to go out and they want to hunt a bigfoot like that's almost akin to murder in my book because they're so human like that that's just that's just my thought on it you know what i mean like i wouldn't i wouldn't purposely go out hunting a bigfoot with the hopes of actually killing one just to prove that there is a bigfoot like like i i think that would create bad juju in my opinion mm-hmm. They I mean, I think I think it could be totally bad luck to kill a to kill a Bigfoot. They would they would probably be the hunted. Huh. Yeah, man. Well, that was going to be one of my questions, Tim. In in your research, have you found anything that talks about Bigfoot possibly being an energetic presence? You know, um, because like Ryan was saying, and any pictures we have are fuzzy and faded and it's almost along the lines of ufos where it's that it's in this manner where you cannot get a capture of it right there's no trail cam footage really of of bigfoots um and you figure if they're out there there's plenty of cameras now somebody would have caught one by now well there are some there are some um it's still slim (laughs) the slim pickings but there are some uh, trail cam footage. Um, did you ever see the one from the eagle's nest? Mm. There's one where they have, you know, where they put the cameras on the eagle's nest so they can watch the baby eagles hatch and grow. Um, they had one of those, and it was pointing down to the ground, and this thing walked right by and uh, did not know it was on camera. And you just saw it from the head down from about 40 feet in the air. Um, and but but there is a number of. Yeah, this is it. You watch this, you'll see it walk by. Okay, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So up here in the upper right hand corner. Yep. moving like an eight. Well, they move funny. It's yeah. kind of far away, so it's hard to tell, but... Yeah. 
Wow, that's interesting. I I think that Bigfoot can sense cameras. I think because I think they they're perceptive to infrared beams and they're perceptive to whatever minute amount of light that a trail cam would give off. You know what I mean? I I think they can sense that. Uh, to your question, Matt, I think there's something to that because they could have the ability to disrupt electronic devices. They do. Uh, yeah, and, and not and not only that, but even like say in the early days, it seemed like when people were using thirty-five millimeter film or uh, eight millimeter movie film, they were able to get. I mean, feel blurry, but I mean, look at the Patterson Gilman film. You know what I mean? It, and it's like, I think when you had something that was analog, I think you're going to get better results than you are on anything that is, is in a digital format. Cause I think they can alter anything that's anything that's digital versus analog. Well, what are your, th what are your thoughts on that, Tim? I think they affect batteries. We don't know how batteries go dead. That shouldn't be dead. And then they come back up. Well, there's a lot of paranormal stuff that can do that. Um, so well, RH, RH negative people can do that too. <laughs> Believe yeah. it or not, maybe I don't. That's I, a that's a problem that we have. Um, I think going back to that, I can't exclude any possibility with these things because there's just so many, so much mystery surrounding them, and they are so elusive. And in the next book, I'm going to go delve into a little bit of the paranormal and perhaps portals and things like that uh, because so many weird things are happening in 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 East Texas uh, related to more of the paranormal aspect so I want to use it as an opportunity to bring that out um, I do not I I do not know what they're capable of completely and what they're not I I, I do also think they're flesh and blood animals and I think they can be killed, and I think they have been killed. And I also think they kill people and have killed people. So, um, but I think uh, only really, really skilled hunters, like almost special forces, can do it, unless it's an accident, unless they just, it's an, an accident that the hunter just runs into it and is in the right place at the right time and shoots it. Um, but usually the hunters don't do that. The hunters are usually not wanting to shoot it. Um, so I think that, but that, but they do die. I think there's quite a bit of evidence that the government has killed them and, um, and, and then swoops, you know, gets rid of them as part of the cover up. Um, and, uh, but I also think they're, they do things that just shouldn't be done. I think there's, there's probably some extraterrestrial origin with the things. And the reason we can't understand them here is because we don't understand out there who we are with respect to what's going on out there in the universe. Um, mm -hmm. We see it as an Earth-centered universe, and it's not. There's a lot out there that we don't 
we can't understand and we don't know about, or at least they're not letting us know about. And um, well, I think that if we had more answers to the mysteries that are in the universe, we would understand Bigfoot better. That's what I think. Where do uh, where do you think George Lucas got the idea for the Wookiee? Oh, I because, because that's I a Sasquatch he, all day long, uh, yeah, and I, that would lead it to believe that it's an off planet, you know, off Earth. Exactly. You know what I mean? I mean that. I always, I always, I remember the first time I saw Star Wars. I was just a kid. Uh, I want to say I saw it in '76. Anyways, whatever year it came out, right? So I'm like 13. First thing, because I was into Bigfoot, like even back then. I can remember saying, "Oh my God, that's a Bigfoot. Chewbacca's a Bigfoot." <laughs> you know what I mean? So, More of a skunk uh, ape. I'm gonna stick with skunk ape on this one. Yeah, he's got that. Yeah, skinny, that's a that's a Florida look. thing. That's right. a Florida thing, Ryan. My, yeah, my absolute but, favorite, I will say. Yeah, but yeah. that's that was one thing I was going to ask too: is why is Bigfoot the most popular out of all these things? Like by far, it seems like you know, if if people know one cryptid, they might not even know the term cryptid or cryptozoology, but they know Bigfoot. You know, everyone's heard of Bigfoot. Why? Is well, you that? had the monster truck growing up in the eighties and early nineties that was Bigfoot. You know, that was like the biggest hit of a monster truck. So it's kind of they put it in your head, and I think. Yeah, people... So where does it come from, though? You know, I, I think that there's probably more encounters with this than anything else, and I think there used to be a lot more. I think that 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 gunpowder became the great equalizer with these things, and I think they probably used to be less worried about being seen. Uh, I think that the Indians, natives, tended to be much more aware of them. And, um, but I think once the gunpowder came into existence, they knew that they'd met their match. And so they just came, became very... Um, Mark. Stealthy, stealthy. They just moved on and hid. And I think uh, that they used to uh, have interactions with us that weren't good, <laughs> that were scary. Right. And I think that's kind of in our DNA. It's it's kind of, you know, we've probably been raised with stress that our ancestors have had about these animals. And so it's a little bit, it's on a psychological basis, perhaps um, it's more gripping to us. Just a let thought. Me, let, me, uh, thought let me ask you something, Tim. Okay, so with a lot of the encounters that we hear about, where a hunter will raise a gun to a Bigfoot and the Bigfoot just goes ballistic. Right. Go, going back to what you said about gunpowder being the great equalizer, right? Now we know that uh, uh, dogs can sniff out guns. They can right. sniff out guns. They can sniff out ammo. And and, right. and I'm thinking it's because they can smell the gunpowder, right? Do you think that, like in the DNA of the Sasquatch from generation to generation, to go along with what you said, they discovered that whatever this thing is that smells like this. Yeah, it's a gun. Very is very bad for for Bigfoot. It's very right. bad for us. 
So now, like, say if a hunter, you know, pulls up a gun, do you think that it's visually that the Bigfoot knows that that's a gun and knows that it's not good and it could be very deadly to them? Or do you think that they can sense it from the smell of the gunpowder? That's something I always wanted to ask somebody that I really was I think it's all it's all the, the their their senses are enhanced because they don't have light they don't have special binoculars that can see in the dark they don't even make fires that we know of they they are dependent completely on their 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 smell and taste and touch and and sight in the dark a lot often in the dark so we have lost a lot of those because of technology that we've developed over the years and we just don't have the same amount of need to be able to also telepathy. I think telepathy that we used to have more of it and mm. we kind of lost it because of technology and they still have it. They still communicate like that and they're still very aware of, of their surroundings in a way that we're, that goes beyond what we are aware of our surroundings, except perhaps maybe the most trained uh, scouters and hunters. Um, but even then, I don't think they get close to the perceptibility that these animals have. So I think it's more than that. I also, when, when you were talking about guns, um, have you ever heard of the Hanobi uh, deal in, in Arkansas? In, um, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, the, these things were just driving these people, trying to drive them off their property, and they got in kind of a war. Uh, it's been on Sasquatch Chronicles. But this one instance, the guy just aimed his 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 scope at the thing. The, the thing didn't even know he was there. But once he aimed that scope at him, the thing turned right toward him and looked directly at him and started screaming. And I think they sense you seeing them, you looking at them in a, in a telepathic way, in a psychic way. We can do a little bit of that. Have you ever felt like someone was looking at you and then you looked over yeah. and they were looking at you? Um, I think we still have a little bit of that psychic nature to us that we've kind of lost. Um, but they have it a lot. And I think women have it more than men. Women are just more, because they're a little bit more vulnerable, they have to be a little bit more psychic and aware. And I think um, I think that's probably true, that they, they might know someone's up to something before a man might consider that because they're not as vulnerable. Uh, but these animals never learn not to be that way, and we did. And so I, that's kind of how I've come to look at it. That, that reminds me of like a, a dog with a cell phone. I've noticed lately that, you know, the better the cell phone cameras get that when you try and take a picture of an animal, they shy away. They won't make eye contact with the phone. I know with my dog, as soon as I pick up my phone and point it at her, she's moving. She's getting my away. Dog does, my dog does that too. Yeah, well, he did. He died recently, but th he used to mm -hmm. do that. So um, they can't also, they also can't see inside the phone they the picture doesn't look real to them and they can't smell it and i think that dogs are so dependent on their smell if they see something but they don't smell it they discount it mm -hmm. it's just a it's a black object that is meaningless to them they do see like images and tvs though the new tvs they do. They yeah. watch which is TV. weird 
but yep. I can't get them to watch my phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if there's someone on there that's talking to them that knows them, they just blank out. I don't understand it. No, I do. I, I agree, Tim. I do it with my son because I, I FaceTime with my son a couple nights a week and yeah. he'll, she'll hear my son's voice. But as right. soon as I point that phone and show it to her, she Same. even if he's talking to her, she wants nothing to do with it. Same with my dog <laughs> when I when I did that with my dog. Yeah. Same experience. Well, maybe but we if you have my speakerphone, the ears go up. She's looking around yeah, for him, the whole thing. Yeah. But as soon as you yeah. show her a video, nothing. Yeah, it's I, I've had the same experience. So now you mentioned that. before about the natives and you know probably being easily more easily able to see these creatures. One of the things that I talk about a lot over and over again is our disconnect in humanity with nature and yeah. how we've been pushed to a synthetic realm away yeah. from natural ways of living, natural remedies, natural everything. Yeah. And and so I think you know you, that may make a connection right there that being that we're so disconnected from nature that would make it another barrier for us to to not be able to see these creatures. I have a I there's character in the book a native american character in the book who um co- kind of comes to the aid of the sheriff to try to help him out and help him understand what he's up against and uh they he really challenges some of the the caucasians uh for their desire to want to control and understand everything and there's things you can't understand and you just have to accept that and part of the book is that tension between those two ideas and the sheriff is kind of stuck in the middle just wanting to solve a problem and he doesn't really care about big picture long you know he just wants to save keep his people safe and uh but it it really is a something i think we really have gotten away from nature and uh, i was at a meeting the other day and a gentleman told was saying that he has just started going out into the yard and taking off his shoes and putting his feet in the grass for a half an hour a day. Little grounding goes a long way. Grounding, it's grounding him and his inflammation's going down in his joints and his and he's starting to feel healthier. And I'm thinking, even though you know someone might think that's crazy, it made sense to me that we need to ground ourselves in, in the earth. And so I agree with you. I think we've gotten away from it. And that's part of why this mystery is so hard for us to understand because they haven't gotten away from it. They're, they're Bigfoot, they're barefoot. They're in, they're grounded all the time. Yep. And, and it's funny ever since I started doing it. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a gentleman named Matt Rusky on the show who's big into electroculture and emf waves and things like that and and uh we've been looking at a lot of different people out on the the socials and things like that that are starting to incorporate uh electroculture which is just simply using coppers and and metals conductive metals and attaching them as antennas and connecting them with the soil and what a lot of people are seeing is a lot better yields on their uh plants um, a lot better growth, a lot faster growth. And, you know, I really think there's something to this whole connection with nature. And I see it with, you know, even with dogs and cats, 
Notice that when they're in in your house, at some point in the day, they're going to go lay in the sun, no matter how hot it is. They're going to lay in that sun to connect with it. And then you put them outside and they're going to go in the grass, right? They don't want to hang out on the asphalt. They're in the grass. They're connected. Right. I, I agree with you. I think there's something to it and we've lost touch with it. I also think there's energy in it. Yes. Um, I know Tesla's exper- did experiments and he felt that there was energy that we could access without paying some some banker to get it. And and it could do things that are beyond what we can do with the energy sources we have now. Uh, but but um, and but it didn't have a price tag attached to it, so they yep. weren't interested. No room for profit, right? No room for profit. But but think about what free energy would do for us today. Yeah. Oh yeah. It would and solve most of the problems that we have. Yep. And across the world without Matt. enriching somebody at our expense like everything else so it's funny that you mentioned the shoes for and and, the, and how you were talking about how the dogs always want to get to the grass because they're yeah. making these dog shoes now dude yep dogs yeah, got shoes yeah. now and obviously it's for you know the hot asphalt that was one thing that came to mind right when you said they want to get off the asphalt into the grass they, they don't want to stand on hot asphalt, right? But it's probably not as hot where you guys are at on the asphalt, right? I mean, it's hot to the touch here. So you're not standing on, you know, if you're a dog, you're not standing on the street here. But yeah, dude, they're making all these dog shoes now. So like they're trying to freaking take the grounding away from the dogs even almost, you know? It's, well, and it's, think, think about how thick the human soles are getting. I mean, look at the shoes nowadays. You're getting two inch soles on some of these things so you're they're making sure there's no connection to the ground whatsoever and it's thick rubber i never thought of that right sketch your shape ups you've seen those things yeah one of the things i was going to ask you tim is is in your research did was there any mention of any connection between cryptids and and ley lines and which are basically energetic lines that are supposedly natural on the earth's realm and they run throughout the world you know i personally have never heard about what you just said okay so i'd be really interested in finding out what that is and get more information on that that might be a that might be a key to unlock a lot of this the mysteries of where they go and you know what what they're what what motivates them yeah, there's supposedly these these, you know, very energetically charged lines that flow throughout the planet. Some say that it's a, you know, a grid pattern. Some say it's specific lines. I know that there's over in Europe at least, there if you go from England all the way down to through uh Italy and Spain down that way, uh there's a line that connects and there's a whole line of churches with all the same name on it you know, and, and just, there's all sorts of uh, different things that they've done over time where they've destroyed the majority of the church, kept the foundation and rebuilt using the new religion versus what was there before. So it's, it's, and, and in the research that I've done, it's almost like there's something energetic to the land uh, and there's, there's a power to the land and that's why they will continue to build on there and use that for their purposes. Is it connected at all to, um, the head, the, what's the thing in England, uh, with the stones, 
the, oh, there's, I was going to say there's a lot of monuments that are on a lot of these yeah. hot points. There's hot and cold mm -hmm. and neutral points in are between all these lines. Are they connected at all to the pyramids or yeah. in yes. Egypt? Or oh, in yeah. There's, let me see if I can find... Uh, I was about to pull I, it up too, Matt. I believe the pyramids of Giza are actually on a ley line that matches up with Teotihuacan just outside of Mexico City. Well, I've heard that, but I don't know. But I didn't know there was an energy, actually an energy uh. line that was on specific points so too, because there's little points yeah, that okay. connect all these different lines. And on the points, there's one in Giza. There's a, a few in Mexico in in certain spots. There, like, there's one Stonehenge is built on an actual point. There, there. It's really interesting. If uh, I can find a, a good map, if uh, if it's hard. Yeah, I just it just I I've never heard of energy lines, but that would also might explain some of Tesla's work. Um his his theories on energy yeah tim what is your thought while ryan's looking that up tim what is your thoughts because a lot of sasquatch encounters happen in or near national parks yeah because uh, uh, i had a theory i had a theory that these national parks were actually set up as exclusion zones for sasquatch like like give it give this their their area and we're only gonna let a few people in there to go hiking or whatever and if you want to try to kidnap some of them it's okay with us mm. well i've heard that too and i've heard that's part of the reason it's it's um being covered up because there's a deal <laughs> for for sharing their your technology mm. and weapons, we let you take two or three people <laughs> from each mm. national forest once a year. Mm. Um, that's kind of a scary thought. That's kind of diabolical. So I hope it's not true, but it it seems like it's at least possible. There you go. Yeah, here's Mike. here's some different examples, Tim, of what we're talking about, and and. The one thing that you I've never seen is any consensus on the lines themselves, right? Uh -huh. There's there, there's people that will agree on certain lines, but no one that will agree on a certain pattern. So you have, you know, the flower of life up here in the in the upper right hand corner that some mm -hmm. say emanate from the poles. You have some on the bottom down here that are more, uh, you know, following the longitude and latitude of, of the planet. Um, but like the bottom one is showing that objects that fall on these lines are Teotihuacan, uh, Timanuku, Easter Island, Stonehenge, uh, Semiapata. Um, so you find and, you know, there's all different. There's a variety of lines. Some say that it's like this, like sine waves um, and it flows around the equators and the equinox. Um there's some that are, you know, this is a, a the European version where there's some people say it goes from certain points. And then it's I mean, there's such a variety of the, of what these lines could be. Um, now, let me see if I can find the St. Michael's there. So this is the one down here. Uh, the vile vortices, too. Those things are freaking crazy. Yes. That's like what the Bermuda Triangle is, and there's you know nine other 
yeah. vile, vi- like uh, like a vile vortex triangle shape that kind of like goes yeah. back and forth from the equator. It's it's nuts. See if I. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting. Um, and you know, it's 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 again, it's one of those mystery science where you know, there's not a lot. Th- there's been some readings that say, yeah, these areas do behave slightly different energetically, but there's no official you know, scientific word on it. No, that's very interesting though. I'll, I'm going to look into this. Have you seen Matt? Have you seen the uh, platonic solids thing in the correlation with the, with the grid here? I'll share this real quick. Let's share it. I love, I love this stuff, man. I uh, did an episode with Grimerica a while back on these, but each one of these symbols is represented. Obviously, you know, you've got uh, the earth, you've got Gaia, you got fire, water, air, all that stuff. And each one of them is represented by, you know, a cube, uh, you know, triangular shape, all these different things. And if you overlap all of those together, that's what makes the Earth's energy grid right there. If you take all those different shapes, the five different shapes that represent these five different things and these stones, these were old stones that were found. I have this book that's all about this stuff. I just forgot about half of it, though. Um where they, they, these stones that are bound with leather, they end up being like way older than people thought, you know, and um, the kind of the theory, the going theory is that these were early ideas of people trying to figure out exactly what these energy lines are all about. So, and if there's a really any, any indication, right, that, that ball in the middle was exactly one of those grids that we just showed with yeah. the ley lines. It was, Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, man. This book, it's called, uh, I, I can go grab the book before I forget it. But yeah, it's its just, I mean, all these images are from the book. I just can't find the one that I'm looking for because it has all the hot, cool, neutral points uh, on one side. So it shows you this, but then it also shows you the list. And the first one is in Giza. Yep. Um, that's, uh, that's interesting, Ryan, because I never heard of the uh the neutral lines the hot lines the cold lines that that's yeah. pretty interesting let me see if i, I never can have you it's got to be on here but yeah all these pictures right here are from this book that i have um including these like these old ways that they would try to see um you know how the earth was uh was laid out because there's got to be something to it man why are all these different things built on you know, these specific spots. Why is, why are the pyramids built in this one spot? And we know that the story of how they were built isn't accurate, right? There's some pretty interesting ways that, that people could build stuff like that, but no one's dragging these things up a freaking, Oh, here's the story about these, these different shapes here. Um, But yeah, man, it's just, it's a, it's a really interesting concept. What is that book, Ryan? I'll go grab it. Here is this now that we're, actually trying to see it um so you know egypt i believe the the squares uh the see-through squares are neutral the white circles are hot spots and the black circles are cold spots so if you look through all of this starting with the first one you've got all these different spots the himalayas iwo jima hawaii yeah Gulf of Alaska is an interesting one too because they have discovered pyramids in Alaska, right? That you they're trying that, to keep under wraps. You know, there's the a Peru? pyramid. 
There's a pyramid in one of the Great Lakes. I did oh. recently see that, actually. It's underwater. It's submerged. It's not too deep. And it's a pyramid. You can find that easy on a Google search, too. Yep. I can't remember which lake. I always forget which well, lake it is. Well, there's more pyramids in North America than there is anywhere else in the world. This is not right. an accident. Yep. Well, and I was going to ask you, Tim, based on, you know, your research and the, like we were talking about before, there's myths of of creatures all over the world. Where did you find to be the strongest case of credible eyewitnesses and accounts and things that you would say, OK, if if I'm going to go look for Bigfoot, this would probably be the the spot where I'd have the highest chance of seeing one. Well, the most encounters that we know of on this side of the world is in the northwest of the United States and and Canada. Okay. Alaska. So that's that's where the most encounters are. It's probably also where the most wilderness is and the most the greatest likelihood that people will be out and run in, run into them. So it's a combination of the number of people combined with the right circumstances in the right area. Yeah, and and that just has tended to be um, British Columbia and Washington and and Alaska uh, for us. Now they're all over the United States and they're all over the world, uh, but that's the one that comes to mind the most right now. But that does not mean you're going to go to Washington state and go out in the mountains and see one. <laughs> yeah. But they said you wouldn't Harry and the Hendersons and you could bring it in your house and have it as a pet. Yeah. Well, I don't, <laughs> but the, the deal is it's usually an accident. It's usually as much a surprise to the animal as it is to you. If both, if both survive. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, uh, it it's just not going to happen every day. So you kind of have to be lucky or unlucky, depending on what happens for to see one. So, you know, when but, I was, when I was a kid, it was always concentrated in the Pacific Northwest, right. you know, and, and also, you know, British Columbia, Vancouver, uh, you know, Alaska, North, but more Northern so California. Pacific Northwest. Yeah, well, and I and I think they kind of like to be away from climates that are super cold. You know that that's another theory too that they have kind of migrated, or that they might actually be migratory. You know, because I mean, I mean, as a joke, I would I would go out on the deck, you know, late at night in January or February, you know, to let the dogs out or whatever. And I kept thinking to myself, man, I hope Bigfoot's staying warm, because I mean, I mean. Like Tim says, like they don't, they don't make fire, and I'm not absolutely sure that that they don't have the ability to do that, but it might be a, a you know, an easy way for them to give up their location if they did that, right? But I mean, but then again, you know, bear survive in the winter, deer survive in the winter. Yeah, they can do it. Yeah, They're... but uh, but there's a theory that some of them are migratory, and that's why. You know, Alaskan ones, ones in British Columbia migrate down to the Pacific Northwest because, you know, even though they're in the north, it's still 
kind of more like a temperate zone. It's not, it's not like super cold like it gets in New England. Yeah, I'm sure they migrate. I'm not sure exactly how much they do, but I'm sure they do some of that. They follow the food. Animals follow food. They follow the deer. And the well, they salmon. Got, the they, got pl- like, they got plenty of that here. Just we like have... the bear follow follow the, the salmon. Mm-hmm. They they know when the salmon are running. Uh, so do they. So do the Bigfoot. Um, I I think I so I do do think they do some migration. I don't know how much, but they're they're got to eat. Here's this book, Ron, that uh, I was talking about. There's a free PDF of it online: Anti Gravity and the World Grid, and uh, you can get it for free online, but. This is what I think the Earth's actually shaped like right here. See that? How they talk about how it's either a globe or flat. There's no freaking way it's either one of them, dude. It's got to be something like that. You know what I mean? Like that's or, interesting. Or so a that, cube. Like, that book I has think, a lot of graphics, so I would, I would ton. buy the book just to get the graphics. Yeah. Well, so what it is? It's 13 different works from different people. Um, it's 13 different small books and like pamphlets, basically. And it's edited by these two, David Hatcher, or I guess just one guy, David Hatcher, uh, Childress, or Childress maybe, but yeah, man. Oh, tons Dave, and, David, David Childress. Uh, Hatcher Childress. I don't know if it's the same dude. Would yeah, you know who I'm, do you know who I'm talking about? No. Yeah, he's uh, he's buddies with uh, Sukalos. He, he's, uh, he, he, he's in on Ancient Aliens a lot. Okay. David Childress. And and he's done a lot of expeditions to uh, Mayan ruins and things like that. This book too, it talks about things like the levitation, the anti gravity. I don't know if you can see. Let's see if it'll pop up. Like when yeah, these people, you know, use these horns to levitate stones in Peru and sure. stuff. You know, yeah, that's and where they that's where they think that the Egyptians were able to move those stones with uh, frequencies. Or, or right, pre Egyptians. I don't even think it was the Egyptians. I think the Egyptians inherited them, but. Whoever did it, built those pyramids, didn't do it with slave labor. That's no, just ridiculous. no, unskilled that's, slave labor at that. That's ridiculous. It's just a. Well, so that's another thing too, like that whole uh, Ed Leeds Scalman, uh Coral Castle thing that he does. Right. This right. was the the map that I was looking for. So you can do these things on these lines, supposedly right through where Coral Castle goes. There's a ley line that runs right through where coral castle is so you know and i and i was right surprisingly about like the hotspot keys so it's like the you know the square was neutral the see-through circles hot and then that's yin or i'm sorry that's yang and then the yin is the cool those are the dark spots but yeah man it's a really it's a cool idea and just like all the different ideas that are in the book it talks about how ufos are seen mostly on these spots as well um stuff like that all kinds of cool stuff Cool. Well, I'd never heard of that. So something else to think about. Heck yeah. I wanted to share with you guys this because I found, uh, where is it? What you looking for? Can you see this? Quantum stealth and invisibility. Uh Uh-huh. All right, this is a little video on the invisibility tech they have nowadays, which kind of ties in with some of the things I've heard about Bigfoot, and I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on this. 
This amazing invisibility technology was created by Hyperstealth Biotechnology Corps and has been dubbed a real-life Harry Potter invisibility cloak. The quantum stealth, as it's more commonly called, can obscure objects, making them appear invisible. The sheet is made of light-bending material and boasts the use of something called broadband invisibility. The technology could be used to hide anything from ships to vehicles to spacecraft. I'm Guy Kramer, President and CEO of Hyperstealth Biotechnology Corporation, and in 2010 I figured out invisibility. Quantum Stealth is a patent-pending light-bending material that works by bending the light so that only the background is visible and a target such as a person is removed from view when behind this material. It's interesting how flexible it is. Yeah, it's almost like a force feed. Play wow. devil's advocate, that could be just a green screen. Could be, yes. I have heard of this, though, and it is an interesting idea. And it's so terrifying it, at the same time. I would have to link back. I would want to do the research. Is this a legit thing? Where's this company? There's two different ones. There's a Chinese one, and then there's this American one, this Quantum Stealth Invisibility. Uh, so is it a that. real company? Yeah. Where is this going now? Is it showing an airplane that's been stealth? Yep. Okay. So. Cool. Wow. Fun wow, stuff. I'd like to find out more about that company. Yeah, it's. It, I just found that video today, and I had, I didn't can have a chance to that, dig can into you them. Drop that link on the inst on my Instagram. Yes. Or, or could you do that for me? Yeah, I'll, I'll email you the video. That's awesome. Thank you. I'm All right. Now that this, we're uh, on that, now that we're on. on that, let's get into the cloaking Bigfoot theory. Go for uh, it. There's that book oh. I just dropped for you guys. If you wanted to take the PDF. Oh, great! Thank you. All right, Ryan. Thank you. Yeah. You betcha. So what's the cloaking Bigfoot theory? Well, that Bigfoot has the, avail the availability to cloak. You know, similar similar to how the uh how the predator does it. He's got a he's got a telltale shimmer. That's how you can see him. Oh, out in the forest. Well, that's what made me think of that, Ron, was that video was, was thinking about, you know, the, all the things that Bigfoot is supposedly has a cloaking ability and things like that. And I, you know, I always wrote that off as, ah, that's craziness. And then you start seeing the technology nowadays and they're able to reproduce that in a, on a smaller scale. So who knows? Well, Interesting. We don't, they... know. We don't know. There is a chance the the theoretical possibility of entanglement and portals and uh 
the mysteries involving the uh, the photons collapsing into uh, into a form when they're when they're observed. It, there's just a lot of mysteries in, that we have come across with quantum mechanics that open the doors to these kind of things. So they should. It's possible that these animals, if they do have an extraterrestrial origin, have abilities that they developed on their planets before they came here, and now they apply them here. It's possible there's portals that they walk into and they know where they are. They maybe they're connected to these energy lines and they know where the energy lines are through their senses. There's just all kinds of possibilities. And I just don't think we should discount stuff just because it doesn't fit into our worldview or our, or our understanding. We've actually listened to multiple encounters, uh, several on Sasquatch Chronicles, one on uh, with Tony on Confessionals, and also there is a TV series that my niece and I like to watch, and it's called These Woods Are Haunted. And on that, I forget which season and which episode it is, but it talks about this lady who was a bow hunter and how she had gotten up early, gotten out to her tree stand, you know, before sunrise. And he had been out there all day. And for whatever reason, there was no deer around. Right. So how many times did we hear like where there's a Sasquatch encounter? It's super quiet. There's no other activity. You don't hear right. bugs. You don't you don't see anything else, right? So she thought it was weird because she had she had put her deer stand on a deer trail, which she knew, you know, every day there were deer coming in and out of this trail, right? And she was uh, you know, towards the end of the day, she finally gave up. And just as she was starting to get out of her tree stand, he saw a tree move across the way from her. And, and she saw this branch move, and this was a heavy branch, so there was no way it was from wind. And then she said she could see this. The only thing I could describe it as is what you see in the Predator movies, right? She saw this, like, pixelated mass that jumped from that tree to another tree. And when it landed in this other branch, of course, the branch moved. Totally, totally freaked her out. Mm. And, and she watched it, and eventually it had jumped into another tree. The branch broke. It had fallen to the ground, and it took off. And that's when she took the opportunity to get the F out of there. Uh, and that was a really interesting thing. But we've heard many encounters of the cloaking Bigfoot, which which is, if it is the case, that would lead me more to believe that you know, yes, Bigfoot is could be flesh and blood, but is it extraterrestrial in nature? Does it have other powers? Does it have powers that we don't yeah. know about? Well, if you you've you've all heard of Superman and that how when he's on Earth he's Superman, but when he's on his own planet where there's kryptonite, he's not. He's he's normal, and in a I just wonder if these creatures have an extraterrestrial origin. Maybe they developed in in gravity that was much stronger, with physics to their planet that was different. That and then they were transported here somehow, 
whether it's through portals or whether they were brought here for who knows. And then suddenly they're super strong and super fast and they can jump high and they have all these abilities. Um, that's what I think of when I think of these things. They do things that just seem to defy physics of this planet, which is why they're not in the zoo. And um, there's got to be something to it. That's that the only thing I've come to that I it's kind of it gets close to starting to explain it is an extraterrestrial origin. But I'm not saying I know that for sure. Who knows? But well, something has to. There, there's just too much strangeness to explain it in the normal world, in the world yeah. that we understand as normal. Yeah, yeah. So we hear about the Bigfoot encounters right after there's a UFO sighting, Often or orbs, off. or orbs, orbs in the woods, yeah. unexplainable lights in the woods, and then yeah. all of a sudden, boom, there's a Bigfoot. Yeah. So I, I think the Bigfoot is the orb. That's how they travel. If if they come off of say a you know a flying craft of some sort, they not to you know be a trekkie because I'm not, but you know moved off their hollow deck and they just reappear somewhere else. Doesn't necessarily mean it's an actual portal, but they have the ability to go from one location to the other by teleportation. And when they're teleporting. That could be what these what these orbs are. So we, we've heard lots of encounters about that too. And which leads me to believe we might be dealing with more than one type of Bigfoot here. We might be <laughs> dealing we might be dealing with Bigfoots that were maybe put here without the ability to do these things. Or that ability for them to do these things was taken away from them. And then you have the Bigfoots that are coming here. Maybe to check up on them, see what's going on. We don't know. You know the big joke how, you know, the Earth is a prison planet. How do we know it's not a prison planet for other entities other than human beings? I mean, yeah, think about that. Yeah. Well, it's possible. They just, we're, we've had it with these things. Let's take them to Earth. You mm -hmm. know, uh, just like, a, a, a what do they ca call the prison colonies? They call them. What was the name that they called the colonies? That they're not prison, but penal colonies. Penal yeah. colonies. That's right. Yeah. What if yeah. Earth is just a terrestrial penal colony? You so, know, for or, some reason, I've always, I've always had that thought. That's like always all been the, in my, th yeah. always been in my thought process. That, like that that's why Earth our was... planet's so mixed with so many yes, different things, yes, right? Is like yes. all the things that every other planet's tired of get yeah. dropped off here and then we're stuck that, you know, when you're talking about that, Ron, the cloaking idea, it reminded me of this theory I heard a while ago that, and, and you guys might not, you know, subject yourselves to this, but what if like uh, the government is literally projecting these things because people see like almost like a blue beam type thing, right? People mm -hmm. see like almost like a projector, you know, how you see the lights from a projector. People will see that when they see certain alien, when they have alien encounters, or if they see, some sort of you know bigfoot or something like that they'll say that they see these weird lights that are kind of like around it right so what if it is kind of a weird in some cases or or maybe all of them what if it's like blue beam stuff you mean you mean like holographic like like the bigfoot is actually projected down 
Yeah, like it's not even saying? a yeah. it's not a physical thing, but you could still see the trees moving and stuff because of this weird technology. Like, you know, the the idea of going from like, you know, horse and buggy to rocket ships in just a few years, you know, it, it's nuts. So like what else is there cuz we've we've kind of stopped less than 100, less than 100, Ryan. Which is nothing. You know, less so, than 100 years. Yeah, it's nothing. So what if there is this weird technology where they can make these things? I'm not saying it's 100%, but it's just another theory that's out there that that is interesting. Well, how did how did how did early human go from being a caveman to building pyramids in less than ten thousand years and having uh, massive knowledge of mathematics and astrological knowledge? Okay, it's just not possible. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't. What do you so. guys think? Have you seen these reports of lasers in Maui and other places? Yeah, the dudes. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. What do you hey. think of that? Is that bizarre? I mean. I don't know. Again, just another thing that I go, wow, what what next? You guys seen the thing where it doesn't mess with anything blue? The DEWs oh. don't mess with anything that's yeah. blue. Yeah. And then, then there was a demonstration. Yeah. Where, did you see with the towels, Ryan? When the cars? And th- and then the laser was going down. No, this this guy was doing it, was show showing one, these dues, and he had all these different colored towels down. And, yep. and the uh, the laser went through everything except the blue one. Well, I'll show you one that you'll like, Ron. There's a uh, there's a one that I showed on the news show, uh, Conspiracy Underground News Team, and we we talked about this a little bit. And and yeah, man, there there's these wooden blocks that these guys have on blue towels, okay, um, metal Hot Wheels cars, and all these things. And the only thing that burns, is, or I should say, everything burns other than the blue towel. And you'd think that towels would absolutely light up with these lasers, but mm-hmm. wood is, metal is, plastic is, everything other than blue. So that's really interesting. And then it goes through, and you'll see a blue mailbox that's perfectly fine. You'll see a blue car that's perfectly fine. Everything else around it's charred. Um, it's really the blue it umbrellas. Yeah, the blue umbrellas, umbrellas, right? Yeah, which is fabric. The blue barrel, the blue barrel. There was a picture of the blue barrel that, and that would have melted instantly. Like what's in- really bizarre about what's really bizarre about this? Okay, so asphalt asphalt melts at three hundred and like thirty or three hundred and forty degrees, right? Right. You have these vehicles parked on top of asphalt, and the aluminum wheels are melted right off of it. But mm-hmm. the tires, but the tires not melted. So that to me, I know that when they recycle aluminum, a lot of times in the first initial process, they use electricity to do that. They use these yeah, massive electrical things, and it just literally melts your your uh, your recycled aluminum wheels. Just melts them right down, like like nothing, real fast. Yeah, I'll show this clip, and it is it is very interesting. By the way, Biden finally went there, and the Hawaiians told him to get the hell out. Like they didn't want to they didn't want to hear anything from him. Uh, yeah, that doesn't, seven... that does, yeah, that doesn't surprise me, as they should. Yeah, you'd think that they would, but yeah, th- check this out. This is really cool. For general information purposes only. What can a laser from space do? This 150-year-old tree in Lahaina is still standing despite much of its surroundings being reduced to hollow shells and ash. made of fall victim to direct energy weapon. Green plants are hardly scathed. 
So that would explain why the trees aren't falling Iron, aluminum, rubber, and plastic are no match for beauty either. Isn't that nuts? But yeah, there's actually the a video of a plane out there with this weapon on it. And they're showing a demonstration from like the History Channel. Yeah, but what is it with blue? You know, uh, apparently well, if you use a different color laser, it would affect different colors. It has to do with the color spectrum. But look at the greenery right there. You know, like it's just barely charred. Uh, well, why? Why? Why would Hawaii be a target if it is? Oh, I did an land. episode on this actually. They they uh, yeah. they agreed to be the first ever state in the United States, a hundred percent ran by clean energy and smart cities. In two thousand eighteen, they agreed to this with the World Economic Forum. So well, yeah, they're going to burn it all Maui's, down. They can restart. Maui was going to be the first fifteen minute island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, so they want we, the land. They want yeah, the land. Supposedly, they so just much. had a meeting in June or July with some of the big wigs of either the World Economic Forum or one of these, you know, groups pushing the new AI. UN. Yeah. yeah, or UN. And so did did Hawaii actually vote for this? No. Not the but people, get, but the leaders. Yes. And the yeah, governor's the name is Josh Green pushing Green. the green agenda through. It's all perfect. It's a good story. Yeah, that meeting was in January, Matt. Uh, when they were first talking about the uh, uh, the fifteen minute the fifteen minute city meetings, yeah, yeah, no, no, they just had a meeting yeah. recently though that they've been talking about too in either June or July that they just wrapped up, and it was another one of those you know futuristic meetings. I'll have to I'll have to see if I can find the details on it. Yeah, there's one coming up too. One, uh, uh, what the hell was it called? Digital. Basically, it was about the, the digital IDs and and how to uh, basically get everybody on the grid in Maui for the fifteen minute for the fifteen minute cities thing, so everybody could be identified. I I can't remember the name of it now; it escapes me. But uh, and that was supposed to be coming up this September, so they've been moving pretty fast on this whole agenda, and oh, yeah. not to mention, not to mention that this. Police chief, this uh, gentleman was also the incident John Pelletier. Commander. Yeah, John Pelletier, the incident commander at the Las Vegas mass shooting. Yeah, the cop, the head, the chief of police over there in Maui, which yeah. I mean, the odds of you being in charge over two massive tragedies like that is next to nothing. I mean, the guy should go play the lottery right now, you know, well, I, my wife's I'm, I'm sorry, my daughter's husband's brother was shot in the leg in that. And, and now he were in uh, Vegas? In Vegas. And wow. he was with his girlfriend. And he swears, because he's from the Air Force, too, and he swears the gunshots were coming from multiple angles. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah, And from and helicopters. So, yeah. So there's no way that was one guy in a, a hotel no. room. And no. and. But you can't even take the window out without people. That gets covered up. 
Yeah. yeah. That one was swept under the rug real fast. And that's when Trump was president. So you can't blame it on Biden. Yep. Well, and Trump helped also get rid of the bump stocks after that, too. Right. Like that was another reason to uh, to to push some anti-gun legislation through. So, yeah, Trump's not there to help us, in in my opinion. Neither is Biden, obviously. Neither one of these guys. And RFK, who's potentially going to be the next president, also a horrible dude. But and the last thing. Oh, uh, no. There's the one thing I wanted to say about Hawaii is I don't know if the parasites caused the fires, so to speak. I mean, I think there's a lot of negligence there, but at the same time, they never miss an opportunity to take advantage of a scenario like this. And whether it's through legislation, whether it's through uh, seizure of land records, whatever, it never seems to benefit the people when things like this occur. Yeah, Matt, I'm the- with you. I'm with you on that. I don't. I don't buy too much into the dew theory in Maui. I, I think oh, it I was don't. high winds, high winds, dry conditions, power lines sparking fires. But what's odd about it was the water was turned off. Kids were home from school. No alarms were sent. No emergency alerts sent to phones. And I think police blocking roads to get out. Police- Police blocking people into Front Street where all them cars are burnt up. Yeah, uh, I did a I did a show on uh, the Maui fires uh, last week, and uh, and I'm going to be doing uh, we're going to be talking about it a little bit more uh, Wednesday when Buckley comes in. But uh, I'm with you, Matt. Never let a disaster, never let a disaster go without you know being opportunist about it. And and if this was natural, which I if it's natural, it might have been ten or fifteen percent natural. The rest of it was, you know, played upon. Once they once they could see what was going to happen, they just let it rip. Right? Never never let an opportunity like this go to waste, man. And they're taking advantage of it. It's just really odd all the legislation that was put into place over the last six months, and then boom, this happens. Well, it's it's like the Patriot Act, Ron. They want us oh, to yeah. believe that they crafted the Patriot Act in 45 days after 9-11. Yeah. That's thousands that of much. pages of documentation that they crafted in 45 days. Get out of here. There's no legislation that passes that quickly. It's written I, and passes that quickly. I think an argument can be made that 9-11 happened solely to have the opportunity to bring the Patriot Act. Oh, absolutely. Place. Because if you look, the predecessor to the Patriot Act was the act that they put in place after Oklahoma City. And that was led by Biden. You know, that was his domestic terrorism act that he wanted to install. And then Oklahoma City happens. They put it into play. And like you said, Ron, I think they needed the, the Patriot Act to come into play. And it's that old Hegelian dialectic where, you know, problem, action, solution. Well, they had this act waiting now they needed the event and what happens 9 11 and boom now okay here's the perfect time for us to enact it have you guys seen those clips of uh the the pentagon officials talking about direct energy weapons there's Uh a clip of the yeah so i mean i don't see how how you could not think that that this is the like the story here i mean to me it's undeniable that it's a freaking laser like the the people that live there 
And it sounds crazy talking about it, right? Like it's a space laser. It sounds ridiculous. But there's people that live there, several that are saying like, dude, the, the I've lived here and I pay attention to the weather. The weather, like hurricanes don't come from that direction that it came from. It doesn't work out like this. There's something weird to it. And the the one thing, because I did a, a Hawaii episode too, Ron, the Maui fire episode. And you guys look into that Lionsgate thing. Yep. The Lionsgate portal. The, that I mean. Yeah, that's an insane thing. Like the coincidence, the Lionsgate portal, Ron, if you hadn't heard of it, it's a it's this like idea of it's an astrology thing, right? Where there's on the 8th of August when the I don't know what it is, the sun's in Leo or whatever. I don't know much about astrology, but I mean, there's pieces about this in like massive like people magazine and stuff like it's like a like there's this stuff is becoming more mainstream, like almost like this witchcraft kind of shit. And they were saying that this is like the highest day of manifestation is August 8th. You light a candle, you you put your thoughts out into the world, you visualize a world that you want to live in. And if the new world order, if we want to call them that, is trying to do that, they lit a candle and then they are talking about their green energy shit. So that's what they're yeah. doing. Yeah. Well, you know what, Ryan, you could be you could be on to that, too. You know, I just. I guess what threw me away from the dues thing was all the videos that were coming out at the time, which clearly wasn't Lahaina, right? I yeah. mean, these, these were videos that we've, that we've seen floating around for the last year or so. Uh, I will say that there was a lot of parallels to the Lahaina fire, to the, to the fires in California. Was it last year in paradise? Yeah. And, uh, where a lot of similar things happened, the vehicles all burnt, houses burnt like to ash, trees did not burn, wheels melted right off of cars, aluminum body cars were just disintegrated. And and to kind of go back to what I said earlier in the show, aluminum aluminum melts at twelve hundred degrees, right? So to get to get metal up to 1200 degrees using electricity doesn't take a lot. Like it takes a lot more to melt steel than it does aluminum. Obviously it's two different melting points. So there could be something to that. And like you say, going back to the videos with the lasers, not touching anything that's blue. I mean, I mean, if those videos that were getting out of Hawaii are legit, I think somebody's got some explaining to do there. Yeah, man. And that police chief, by the way, he, I think he quit. I think he, he's, he retired or whatever. After no, this whole thing. no, no, it wasn't him. Chief. It was one of the health officials. Well, it was the guy in charge of uh, whether or not they were going to set off the tsunami alarms. Yeah. The guy that said, sure? he did, yeah, he said, he said he didn't regret doing it. His rationale yeah, he was, was a, he was a native he, looking guy. Yeah, oh, that was the is. water. That was the water guy. He 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 said, "Don't. Uh, we're not going to put the water out, right? Like the reserve water because it's like holy water or some shit." Right, different guy though, Ryan. Okay, there, there was the water guy that he was called out, but the, but the guy, the emergency management guy, he's the one that just resigned. He was under under fire for not sounding the tsunami alarms. His rationale was, people are trained. When there's a tsunami alarm to run to high ground. And he said he did not want to do that because he didn't want the people going to high ground because they would have been 
running right towards the line of fire. Mm. But he but he's the one that he's the one that resigned. Why would okay. why would why would they call a tsunami alert during a hurricane? Well, that's it's not necessarily a tsunami alarm either because they have used it for other disasters, so to speak. Well, you and, know, remember back, remember back in, when Trump was put president and they had the uh, fake nuclear yeah, dude. release, right? They sent yeah. out the sirens and they sent out text messages to everybody when that happened, that false alarm. So Imagine I imagine that in a, hur- in a hurricane, yeah. the most of the damage is done by water surge. So did the hurricane actually hit Maui? No. no, it was like 200 miles away. They were getting the outskirts of the wind from it. You're not going to get a water surge, like massive water surge, without a direct hit. Nope. And they, you'd almost want a water surge if there was fires like that. So I'm still very confused by this whole, yeah. whole thing. So, uh, so it was Hurricane Dora. It actually, Matt, it was about 500 miles south uh, of, of the islands of Hawaii. But if you looked at the map, the weather map, it does show the out the outlying winds going over Hawaii and actually north of Maui. And this is why the wind was coming from that direction, because hurricanes spin counterclockwise. Right. That's right. And, was, and they, they, they go east to west. And that's what and that's exactly what happened with Dora. I actually on my show, I, I talked to one of my listeners that lives on the big island of Hawaii. The, the thing that he brought up that I found to be very interesting is that during the hurricane, the big island of Hawaii has sustained winds and sometimes gusts up to 45 or 50 miles an hour. Why on Maui are they having 80 mile an hour winds? Now, I know fire can cause wind. We know that. Well, why is, why is there fire in Maui and not in Hawaii? There was fires in Hawaii. Was there fires in Kauai? I believe there was actually fire on Oahu also, but so but they were contained. They contained them? I believe so, yeah. And there were multiple fires in Maui that started at the same time. There was the mm-hmm. ones in Lahaina and then some inland, too. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, up no, north, Matt. Lasers. There was another fire up north. Now, now, Chad, the guy I talked to that lives on the Big Island, said that the fire in Hawaii was actually arson, and they did find out who did that so i mean some of these these fires in maui could have been arson they could have been dues they could have been electric lines could have been a combination of all of those things yeah was the arson some patsy with three names though (laughs) that's what i'm curious about like uh all the other bad guys with three names yeah i don't Uh, know man well guys this has been Awesome. This has been a great conversation. I am really intrigued by the whole cryptid concept. Let's uh, go around, tell everybody where they can find you. Tim, push your book, let people know where they can find it, and uh, we'll start with you. Can I say one quick thing before I do that? Of course. Um, Before I published this book, I had an editor, and uh, I was kind of on a a deadline to get it published, uh, and my editor told me um, a few weeks from publishing that she was going to quit because she thought that my characters were using guns in an unsafe manner. And 
I was really kind of taken back. I was kind of shocked and it was stupid. But I had to finish all the editing by myself. And uh, that's not my strongest suit. So I missed a few things and I've cleaned it up a couple of times. But I'm, I had another editor look at it and I'm going to clean it up again in the next week because I've got that back from them now. So I just want you, you to know that I was dealing with a deck of cards that didn't work out exactly as I was hoping it to do. And but I'm doing the best I can to make it as professional as possible. So if typos bother you, you might want to wait a week to read it. Okay. <laughs> or, or buy it. If you don't care about that, some people don't care. So then I then, find typos, Tim. I find typos in almost every book I read. I know. I know. So, so that's don't so, even worry about it. Nobody, nobody's going to care about the typos. I want it to be as good as possible, but I just want people to understand that I was. I had unforeseen things happen and I'm trying to fix it. But anyway, you can find the book on just type tomato fields and my name, Tim moon, just like the moon in the sky. And it'll come right up for an Amazon search. Uh, it'll probably come right up on a Google, Google search now too, because there's so much out there with podcasts and books and everything. So, but, and I have it on Kindle. I have it on, uh, Kindle University, and I have it on paperback. Uh, so I don't have an audio version yet, but I'm thinking through the how to do that. So <clears throat> anyway, you're, there's lots of opportunities to get it if you would like to read it. And it, it's getting really good reviews uh, from the standpoint of the storyline and the characters and the tension and the pace. So those are really good things. And People just seem to like the story, and it's very readable, and they most of them can finish it in a few days, sometimes sooner than that. So if, if you like this kind of book, it's kind of like Jaws on land. If you like the movie Jaws, you'll probably like this book. Yeah, we'll have I like to give it. it a look. That's excellent. Yeah, guys, and go hop over to Amazon. You can go to Tomato Fields. It's $3.99 on there right now, so go grab it up. And if you guys would be kind enough to consider giving me a review, I'm almost to, to 50 reviews. I've got 47 reviews. I'd love to break 50. And uh, it's so easy to give a review on Amazon and rate it and everything. I would just love an honest review from any of you guys. So just I'm, I'd sure appreciate that if you'd consider it. Okay. Oh, most certainly. Yeah. And guys, anybody that does read it, leave leave a review. For Tim, and uh, as we know, much appreciated. And chapter 30, I go into some of the cover-up and how why things are covered up in kind of a subtle way, and then open the door for a sequel. So just let you know, okay? I can't wait. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to pick it up right after the show, and I'm excited. Like I said, I'm not into cryptid research, but the stories and movies I'm fascinated by, so... Well, good. Tim, what is your uh, what is your handle on Instagram so the listeners can find it, you there? It's tomato underscore fields. Okay. Right now, I'm just the book. I, I I might have to. I don't know if that's the wisest marketing move. I'm still learning a lot of this stuff. So. And the links will be in the show notes, guys. So anybody that's have, interested, I, did you get the? podcaster sheet that i sent out did i sent did i send that to you no 
I'm going to send that to you when I'm done because it has all the links. Perfect. Okay. I'll put that right in the show notes. Thank you. Okay. Very good. Okay. Excellent. Well, Tim, well, thank well, you so much. And guys, any anytime really you want to come back or when you're uh, getting ready for the second book, let us know. And I'd love to have you back on. Well, I've got some guys that are going to take me to some scary places in the big thicket. And so when I go there, I'm going to do some recording and I might make some connections with with um, different people there. So if you would be interested in that, I, I I'm happy to do it to whatever degree I can. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, most certainly. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, thank you so much for the opportunity to come on and share about the book and talk to you guys. Just fascinating stuff. I learned a lot tonight that I'm going to start looking into. So really appreciate it. Oh, it was great talking with you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all have a great night. Okay. You as well. Yeah, you too, Tim. Yep. Okay. Hey, Ron, Talk where can we find you at? Everybody knows where to find Ron from New England. Just come over to Instagram. Give me a follow. You can find the uh, Wicked Planet podcast page there as well. I'm also actually on Twitter or X or whatever it is they're calling it today at Ron <clears> from NE. So come check it out. Thanks, Matt and Ryan, for having me on the Master Debaters once again. As always, a pleasure, my friends. Thank you, Ron. I do, ap- I do apologize. I was a few minutes late. I had a I I don't use my laptop very often, and when I open it up, there's always something funky with it. But I try, you know, I I started trying to get into the meeting at about eight fifty five, so I apologize for being late. You're not excused. You too, Tim, as well. All right, Rye, hit us. Nothing for me, man. I was going to say, instead of uh, plugging any of my stuff, I found this while you guys were talking earlier. There's a website that sells all kinds of action figures and toys based off of different cryptids. Oh, boy. I love this kind of stuff. You got the Chupacabra. You got the Jackalope. You got the, uh, you know, the freaking Moth, the moth Man. This is the Chicago Moth Man right here, dude. Uh, Kappa Animal Toy. I mean, I don't know some of these. There's plush plush stuffed animals too i mean you can go all day with these dudes, so <laughs> i thought these were sick i mean look at that they're kind of expensive 48 dollars. ryan we're in the rock business we should have been making this stuff a long time ago i know man i mean like look at this a freaking glow-in-the-dark wendigo what a great idea so uh yeah no affiliation with me but i just thought it was kind of funny but yeah dude, <laughs> so uh yeah man another fun one but what are, what are you up to just uh same old yeah same old same old just uh taking it day by day right now it's 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 wild out there and getting ready for fall ball with my son and doing a few shows here and there but uh guys thank you it's been awesome so anybody that wants to reach out the great deception podcast on instagram or patreon feel free to reach out to me uh everyone thank you so much another great one in the books guys stay strong and question everything okay There's no business like show business. (laughs) (laughs) I am not your mother. Jesus, Bill. You never were one of us. (laughs) Who are you? You almost understand, don't you, Bill? You're a different race from us, a different species, a different class. You're not one of us. You have to be born in the society. 
alien scum. <laughs> no. No, we're not from outer space or anything like that. We have been here as long as you have. It's a matter of good breeding, really. Alien scum!